How you doing? You okay? How's it going? How you feeling today? Welcome to South of Fine, a podcast from Right Track Medical Group dedicated to destigmatizing mental health in the South through genuine conversation about the challenges that we all face every day. For more information, please visit our website, righttrackmedical.com backslash South of Fine. While we hope you enjoy listening to our podcast, please remember that this is not a substitute for professional diagnosis or for the treatment of any mental health condition. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Reese. I'm back with another episode of South of Fine. Around the country, college students are thankfully heading back to campus, and for many, COVID-19 means the experience may not look the same as it has in the past. Social distancing, mandatory mask wearing, and a new classroom and dormitory protocols are creating a brand new way of life for many students. One thing that won't change, however, is the mental health struggle that many students do face. In fact, the pandemic may just make all of these normal mental health problems more difficult. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to talk to Dr. Morgan Bryant, Counseling Services Director at Mississippi College, and we're going to talk to her about the mental health challenges that students face. Dr. Bryant, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's start off with a, with something a little bit different than we typically do. I would like you to tell us a little bit about yourself sure. and kind of your philosophies on um, on, on your work. All right. Well, so I, starting on July 1st, um, I began my ninth year as the Director of Counseling and Disability Services at Mississippi College. Um, prior to that, I spent three years at the University of Mississippi Student Counseling Center. Um, so, I, you know, we're going on, you know, several years, over a decade <laughs> in student um, higher education mental health. Um, I think that um, when I arrived at Ole Miss, I was doing um, an internship um, while I was completing my uh, PhD um, and realized quickly that was where I like to be. I really enjoy working with students. Um, there is just an energy that goes along uh, with college students, and um, I really you know, feed off of that myself. Um, and just kind of where they are developmentally is a great place to really explore um, you know, mental health. I, I say to students often, they're in a in very, you know, unique place um, because they um, ha- their brain is developed enough to really look into emotional things, to really uncover, to really explore, to be curious about themselves and why they do the things they do. Um, but it's also, they're also not set in their ways, kind of like mm. when you get, um, you know, it well into your adulthood, you've kind of put in some very maybe rigid ways of coping um, and, and so our college students m- maybe are a little bit more able to make changes sometimes to patterns in their behaviors um, and things that maybe aren't working for them. Um, you know, it's a time, too, where they start really exploring um, the way their family did things. And do I want to carry that on to the next the way I do my family? Um, yeah. You know, exploring the way my um, you know immediate family handled stress and anger and happiness and all of those things, um, and, and this is a great time to kind of look at. I get to decide if I want to do that as well. 
Wow. So this is kind of the perfect time to, it's just a great time um, for personal exploration. And I guess if you do some counseling on the side, you know, you can, you can uh, further flush that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I've never thought of it from that aspect. Right. That's that, you know, and, and I think that most colleges and universities really are seeing the importance of mental health in their students. Um, they're really approaching it with with wellness, um, that they want their students to be well. They want their students to be better. And when they leave the, the college with not just a degree, but that we are also helping them um, become these very high functioning, successful um, adults ready to do adult things. Yeah, that's really great. That's really, that's an excellent take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's what, you know, I believe in that as well. Um, yeah. that if you, you, we take care of our physical bodies, but we also have to take care of our emotional health as well, too. And um, both of those seem to uh, coexist and yes. help each other, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think even our medical professionals have, have um, really done a lot of work in trying to understand um, the balance between emotional and, and, and physical health as well, that they do um, play off of each other and you can't just treat one without looking at the other as well. Yeah, that's super great. Um, you know, I, I actually enjoy being part of a college community as well. Um, but mine's for completely selfish reasons. I just, it just keeps me young being around (laughs) young people all the time. So let's get back to this. I seem to divert occasionally too much. (laughs) Let's, let's start off with a more of a tough question. Okay. Uh, thank you for going over um, where you're coming from. I think we could actually do a whole podcast on everything you just said. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but let's start with this tough question. Okay. Okay. So recent surveys from the American College Health Association, they say about 60% of students felt overwhelming anxiety while 40% experienced depression so severe they had difficulty functioning. And this is students on, on, the, on the college level, of course. Is, is mental health in this realm an epidemic or is it at crisis level for college students? You know, it's stats, but what's your take on this? Right, right. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the stats, but I'll also just kind of talk about my experience from being, you know, in, in the position that I am. Um, you know, it, about a decade ago, we saw the the reason why people were seeking mental health in a, in a college counseling center, um, you know, 10 to 15 years ago was for depression. That has changed. Um, it is now for anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think necessarily that people are more anxious? I, you know, that's hard to answer. I think that, yes, there people to some degree are more anxious. Do we have better language to understand what's going on within us? Yes. Um, I think there's also much less of a stereotype to say to for people and for students and young adults to say, I'm struggling. I don't know what's going on. I may need help. Um, I think we spend a lot of time telling pe- telling young students, young adults, um, when they were in junior high and high school to ask for help. Um, and so now we're seeing a generation that that asks for help. Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we want them to do and to say, hey, I'm not um, doing doing all that well. Um, and I may you know, need some help with this. I also think there are other things that come into play here that weren't necessarily, you know, 
as as much of an issue 10 years ago. Um, things like, you know, I've got to go there, social media. Um, you know, when, when I was in college, I'm going to date myself back in the mid 90s. <laughs> you know, I, I was doing normal dumb things that college students do um, that was developmentally appropriate at the time. We're understanding who we are um, with this newfound freedom. But fortunately, mine was not being, you know, had the the ability to be broadcast to multiple people. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Yes. Um, Thank the Lord that there is there are some some people out there that have some secrets that they'll keep about <laughs> um but you know there is that 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 what goes along with the social media is the you know the immediate gratification of someone telling me I'm okay with those like buttons. Um, I'm posting stuff. I'm being vulnerable. I'm putting it out there. But if I don't get what I'm ju- what I've told myself inside is a normal or an amount of likes or people commenting on things, then I don't feel worthy or good enough. Um, you know that just didn't exist ten years ago, um, and so I think we're starting to see some of the mental emotional ramifications um, for that new culture of social media. I mean, you know, and you get like you can do something. Somebody's got a camera. They pull it out. They video it. It goes viral immediately. Um, you know, and, and that's playing in the back of your head all the time of um, yeah. that. What is this going to look like if, if, if thousands of people, millions of people see this as a counselor? Can I ask you this real quick? Because yeah. Someone else has mentioned this in uh, in the past, and i i can't I can't comprehend that yes type of anxiety. Like I, I honestly cannot comprehend what they deal with, and and then again, they don't understand. They don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you help that, mm-hmm. or how do you address that as someone who probably doesn't fully comprehend mm-hmm. what they're dealing with? You know, that that I think is an ever evolving issue that mental health professionals are looking at. How do we support a generation that uses social media that it would be even abnormal if they didn't? Mm. Um, How do we help them be in the generation that they're in while also being healthy about it? And so I think, you know, sitting with a student and pulling apart, like pay attention to when you start feeling more anxious, how many hours or minutes of a day um, can you be on social media without it negatively impacting you? Hmm. Um, You know, do you need to take breaks from this? Um, You know, uh, building some boundaries for yourself. But more than anything, just get curious about when it starts to drain your energy. And are you know when you know when does it bring you energy? Like, are there times that that this is a good thing? Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a, a a very you know an answer that would really say this is good, this is bad, this is how you navigate around it. I think it's different for every student. Some are more sensitive. I think that's when you get to know yourself, your personality, um, and what you're able to tolerate may not be what other people are able to tolerate. Yeah. So whereas you or I would look at social media and I've done this multiple times, I've just deleted it mm-hmm. and t- or taken the app off of my phone because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sick of it. Right. But they don't know anything different. So they need to be taught the tools right. and that it's okay to just stop mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not going to be a detriment to them. Yeah. And you're not going to miss out. I mean, they all have mm-hmm. that, that fear of missing out. Um, As you know, we've all had, we've all. Yeah, been. I, mean, I still 
have it. Yeah. Like somebody out there is having a good time and I'm not a part of it. <laughs> still um, have that. Yeah. Still going on. Not as much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have to remind myself. No, no, they're not. They're all. <laughs> and I enjoy um, sitting at home. Right. Me too. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of helping, encouraging um, young adults or those that work with young adults to, you know, challenge like, what would this be if you took a vacation from social media? Um, why don't you do it for, you know, perhaps even a day? Um, I personally take Sundays off. I, re- I try really hard um, just to not engage in any type of, you know, electronic. I'm probably dating myself there or saying things like that. But try to to limit just so that my brain can have a rest. And, and I've noticed that I feel more at peace. Sure. And so sometimes I will challenge a student, like, just, you know, give yourself a, a time. Or if there's one app that brings you more angst, like, look at it. Let's see. Like, just start looking at it. Because sometimes if I just said, delete social media and don't ever engage in it again, it's making you have lots of anxiety. That would cause even more anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. That's very wise. You know, that, that uh, a student, I wouldn't say that to someone because especially like you said, they've grown up um, with this being the normal way for connecting and socializing with people. And so the loneliness that would come if they didn't engage in that, um, the disconnect that someone would feel would cause, you know, some adverse emotional stuff to go on too. Um, So you said that anxiety is a big part of things right now. Um, are there are there any other mental health challenges that you see college students facing currently? Well, uh, you know, the thing that we see most um, where students will come in would be anxiety. Depression would be followed um, by that. You know, we see things like any community mental health center would. Um, you've got a hand, you know, a, a good amount of people that have experienced some type of trauma. Um, as children that have not really had an opportunity to deal with that and not that their parents didn't give them the opportunity to, it's just maybe their brain is finally catching up with the ability to, to process through some of those things. Um, You know, we're, we're seeing things associated with um, the negative impact of lots of screen time that a lot of mental health providers are seeing at at other places too. And, you know, Dr. Brown, we had a previous conversation, um, before this. And one of the things that you talked about was how uh, adolescence has changed in the Mm -hmm. last few years. And we all, you know, we've discussed one of the big reasons it's, which is social media. Um, Can you kind of go more in depth with that? Sure. I think, you know, some, some of the things, again, these are some of the things I'm seeing. I'm, you know, I'm not going to geek out with, with all the research stuff. (laughs) I think that tends to make like zone out to some degree. Um, but yeah, one of the things that is, is that um, I'm seeing some of some students coming with some less maturity than perhaps the generation. I mean, you know, of course I'm going to be like, my generation had it hard and we, you know, <laughs> but I think what we're seeing too in research is that there's an extended adolescence we're seeing that um, students are, you know, spending more time kind of engaging in some of those behaviors that would be associated with teenagers um, um, well into um, their early adult, mid-adult years, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in so, it, even so for 
for men, you're seeing males being kind of being in that extended adolescent category uh, when compared to their female counterparts. Um, Hmm. You know, and so that's, you know, I don't, some of the things that perhaps are causing or, you know, having this happen, um, you know, the change in parenting styles, um, we're, we're seeing um, parents be a lot more involved they used to call them helicopter parents. We're now saying we call them lawnmower parents where they go ahead of their children, make sure everything is done and perfect and, um, you know, don't want them to experience uh, any type of bump or uh, negative, uh, you know, things associated with just just life sometimes. Mm. Um you know, so I think not to bash a generation of parents. Um, I think that we're looking at this so we understand more. No. It's just, you know, some good information about this may not be working. Hmm. Well, um, that opens up a whole rabbit hole, too, of another podcast. Yes, it does. Um, because, you know, I mean, you and I both know many people that do behave that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's from a place of love, mm-hmm. uh, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they... That if, if it's to some degree we've forgotten that old adage of no pain, no gain. Right, right, and right. So, and 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 you're and so that causes, I guess, more anxiety when they step out and head to college. Yes, absolutely. You know, and two, I, I think it's helping parents understand that when we do everything for our young adult children. Um, like we're the ones that are filling out forms for them or we're the ones that are calling administrators or making sure their dorm, everything's deposits are paid. We are, you know, sending messages, not verbally, um, but cues to our children that I don't trust that you can do this on your own. Hmm. And so a lot of times it's standing back, getting out of the way, kind of allowing like, I know you're probably going to mess this up. <laughs> Um, and so I'm going to allow you to mess this up, not anything that would cause, you know, major harm to someone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to allow you even the uncomfortable feelings of having to clean up some of your own messes. Um, you know, yeah, I've been with teenagers that don't even order their own food in a restaurant sometimes. And I'm huh. like, hmm, um, you're, you're having, you know, fear about interacting with adults. Um, yeah early. And so like, I get it. I say it to, to students all the time. Like professors are intimidating. Um, I, 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 they kind of scare me sometimes too. <laughs> um, but look at this as a chance to, pr- this is not going to be the last time you're going to talk to somebody that's, you know, intimidating. Um, right. And we still have nightmares about our professors and not turning in our work. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, practice this, but, you know, having your mom call and talk to the professor on your behalf, hmm. Um, again, is 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 your your the skills that go along with navigating through that, and then the feelings of success um, after you have figured something out on your own, or you know, clean, like I keep saying, cleaned up your own mess. That goes along with kind of helping young adults reach that next stage of of emotional development. That's that's kind of key to maintaining some, some, some peace and happiness. And yeah. Um, uh, and, and along those lines, um, and you kind of touched on these a little bit, but what are some coping skills that you may offer to some of these guys to help them 
overcome some of this that we're chatting about? Well, you know, I think that coping mechanisms are very personal. Hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it takes some time. We, you know, sometimes take it for granted that people know what they like. But, you know, when you're a young adult, late adolescent, early adult, you're still trying to figure that out. You um, are still trying to understand, um, do I want to go to a party or do I want to stay in and read? Like what, you know, and all of the other things like around me, but everybody else wants to do this and I don't, you know, so trying to figure out what is it that brings me energy um, or makes me feel better when my energy is depleted. Um, And I think that that is really walking with someone and helping them pay attention to that. Hmm. Um, cause a lot of times we, we haven't been instructed. Um, we've been given instructions. Um, so maybe more so than, than instructed of kind of allowed a place to explore that. That's great. You know, so, so things like that, I would also say limiting media, whether that's news, social media, those types of things that, that you know, that overwhelms our brain sometimes. And especially right now, um, when our country has so many things going on that it is triggering that place inside our brain where it's that fight or flight fear kind of place. It's, it's being triggered a lot. Um, and so making sure that we protect that, that when I turn on the news or I log on to my, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, um, I'm immediately going to be triggered about my safety and well-being, um, perhaps I need to spend a little less time doing that. I have an odd, um, I had an odd thought. Um, do kids just sit and listen to music these days, like if they're alone? I, you know, some of them do, but not, I don't think, to the degree that we did in the, <laughs> yeah. the 90s, um, where that was kind of like you sat in your, you know, I can remember sitting in my dorm room and having a CD going. And, yeah. You know. And the not blaring in the background. <laughs> I was not blaring the cranberries, but <laughs> all right. So um, it, we this is we can't do a college show without talking about this um, suicide rates. Yeah, it's one of the top causes of death in college age students, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think a few outlets actually report it as the second le- second leading cause yes. of death. And this represents a crisis. Um, yes, I think this is a public health crisis. Um, you know, I also think that it's worth mentioning that when you look at data like that, um, that you also have to realize that, yes, this is happening on college campuses way too much. Um, we have, you know, a group of early adults um, that that this is the they're they're coming to the end of their rope, and this is the only way they know how to handle that. Um, something has to be done about that. I think though that we are really engaging in conversations and making it a priority. Um, that you know there are several uh, national organizations that spend a lot of money exploring and you know researching this. Um, College campuses are, you know, really making, like I said, and making mental health a priority, um, spending the money they need to to have the services. Um, I also think that you've, you've seen a shift, too, since um, the incident at Virginia Tech several years ago. 
where uh, colleges have created, um, you know, types of teams that are looking at um, students so that they make sure they don't fall through the cracks. Whereas if one person has had an interaction with someone that's like, man, that's off, something's not right. Um, that 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 they get together where other people are like, yeah, I kind of had that same experience too, you know. And I I just uh, like it's just kind of again like helping people that are in roles where they interact with students um, or young adults um, pay attention. Like I tell professors all the time, you're the ones that interact with these students on a daily basis. You are going to be the ones to notice if something's off. And not to fear asking someone like, you don't seem like you're doing all that well. Um, And giving examples of like, you, um, you know, you you seem like you're, you're, you know, not here. Um, You're not really, your grades used to be really good. You're not turning in stuff and not from a judgmental, like shame on you kind of thing. But I'm concerned and I'm noticing that, that you might not be doing well. Because yes, I think that suicide and the suicide rate that grows has grown every year since the 1950s um, is, you know, something that we can't ignore. Um, yeah. We all have someone we probably love that is, that is, you know, a young adult or will be at one point. Um, and so the fear that goes along with, you know, there's somebody that I care about that I want to know if they're experiencing something like that. Yeah. So you, you've discussed a few of the signs um, that we as friends and uh, we as peers and as um, professors and, you know, people that are looking out for these kids can notice such as grades dropping Mm -hmm. and um, maybe not hanging with their friends Mm -hmm. as much for the kids that are going through this. Is there a way for them to acknowledge or see within themselves? Mm-hmm. Are there some tools that they can use to 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 figure it out within themselves, if that's possible? That assessment type of thing. Yeah, self assessment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I just whenever I'm do, I'm I'm asked to talk to any group of students, I, I again I'm I'm probably going to use this term way too much. Like, you know, like be curious about yourself. Um, you know, when you're off, you know, when all of the coping mechanisms that you have usually use that make you feel better aren't working anymore. So the things that used to bring you a lot of joy, um, don't anymore. Um, you know, or you're, you're finding yourself sleeping way more than you used to, or not being able to sleep a lot. Um, you know, things like your appetite has changed. Hmm. All of those things, you know, um, just, you know, paying attention to that. I I say kind of like follow the energy. Where do you feel the most depleted? Um, Has that happened more in the last few weeks? Um, You know, I would say depression, uh, struggling is a a normal human experience um, that we feel down sometimes or we feel overwhelmed like with anxiety. Um, but it, if it lasts longer than a few weeks, um, that's when I start to say, hmm, I may need some help with that. Or perhaps this is bigger than, than just me, mm-hmm. um, that, that we aren't meant to carry that um, by ourselves. If it's interrupting your 
ability to live and participate in a normal life that you, you know, have, have tried to create for yourself. Um, you know, that is another th- thing that I would be curious and concerned about. What are some of those, the, the things that these guys are feeling that they're going through that they, they think may be huge problems and are causing lots of anxiety, but they're actually a normal part of their existence at this age. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, um, you know, I think that I do a lot of that, like let's normalize where you are developmentally and what perhaps other people are experiencing that you are, um, you know, things like uh, performance, um, you, again, this is like you are living in a, in a place where everyone kind of can know how well you're doing academically. <laughs> Um, or even, you know, uh, even playing sports and things like that. Um, it's posted. It's it's made public. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of that. Like, I have to be perfect because a lot of people are watching this. Um, and that can fuel some of some of these these negative emotional things that we that are associated with things like suicide and high rates of anxiety um, and things like that. Also, young adults like are trying to figure out, still figure out who they are, who they want to be. Um, there's some confusion with that sometimes. Um, what is it that, like, I come from a place, the expectations of my family or even the culture um, that that I have grown up in has for me, but yet I'm feeling like that maybe not really what I want to do, hmm. you know, with, with life or, um, you know, trying to figure out, like, what is it that I'm really called to do? And what I want to spend the rest of my life doing, which is terrifying, um, you know. And I remind students, like you're 18, and somebody is saying, "Pick a major because now you're going to decide on the career that you're doing for the rest of your life." Um, that is terrifying. So I'm like, well, let's find something that interests you and start studying that because many of us probably don't, you know, make a career out of the, the thing that you know the first first job we have that many of us change. Um, but if you will find something that you enjoy, um, you're probably going to be successful and experience some happiness with that. And then, you know, grow it into something that you can, you know, uh, support yourself doing. Right. Right. Well, I spent about 15 years doing something I was very good at and, uh, was not making much money at. Right. Right. There those two things kind of have to line up. Um, but everything's stacked on top of each other and it led to uh, what I do now. And, you know, it's, it's life has some weird ticks and turns that you don't realize at that age are um, in front of you Absolutely, and they're okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to, to trip up occasionally and start over. Absolutely. Um, so all the stuff we're talking about, we're going to, we're going to, I've got on my script here, we're going to talk about some alcohol and drugs, but that's, we got enough talk about that. Let's, you know, let's be more relevant right now. All the stuff that, that we've discussed, um, you know, is kind of being enhanced probably by COVID Yes. and these new rules that are being in place and the, the, the uncertainty mm-hmm. that we experience, uh, as adults and as children, mm-hmm. um, how is that going to affect them in this new year or 
you know, I know this is theoretical, but. Right, right. You know, I think that's one of those things that's we don't know yet because none of us have lived through something quite like this. Yeah. Um, we're talking about something that would be categorized as, 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 as like a trauma. Um, hmm. You know, like you're, you're it, it's not ending, it's ongoing. And so when we look at it from that perspective um, of that, this is an, a, a trauma that you have no control over that doesn't have any end in sight. Um, what are the types of things that that does long term to your emotions? Um, it can it can do some things that are, you know, yeah. can have some long term effects. But I think that we're trying to get ahead of that. Um, I've been I've been impressed and, um, you know, excited that many mental health organizations realize like, hey, from young children to senior adults are all being negatively impacted by um, the constant barrage of fearful information, the the change that I don't know when this is going to end to the, you know, the, the loneliness associated with with all the isolation um, that we're having to to experience right now. Yeah, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Um, yeah. I'm watching my six year old even struggle with some of that. Um, to yeah. my retired father, um, you know, re- struggling with 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 some of the with with the things that are going on with COVID and the you know being in quarantine and maybe having to go back to quarantine and oh wait I don't know if I can go to school but yeah we want you to go to school and. Um, but school may be a dangerous place. And-, and it's the up, you know, I've gotten to a point now where I'm just like, I'm so sick of this, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's just, I'm sure many, many people are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then the next day you're, you're saying to yourself, oh, well, this is the new normal. We just got to roll with it. Right. I'm just like, I'm so tired. I just want to go to dinner and not wear a mask. Right. Which is normal. I mean, if you think about like it is normal when you're in the middle of something like this. Again, we don't know what's normal, but but <laughs> as best as we can to go to have these waves of I can't stand this anymore. I'm not doing it. Um, forget it. I'm going on vacation and I'm not wearing a mask to <laughs> like, oh, I need to like not leave my house for the next three weeks and take this seriously. You know, I think that that going on those waves um because we don't have anything to really model how you do this well. Yeah. And the poor college kids, it's it's all about social. And like, mm-hmm. I promise you, I probably shouldn't say this right now, but let, there's no way I could stay away from my friends at that age. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult for them. So props to them for really, I know that there's been some hiccups and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, all in all, they've done an awesome job dealing with this as young kids mm-hmm. um, that are in the prime of their social life. Absolutely. Um, so if these guys are stu- are struggling, these students are struggling, what are some ways that they can reach out for help um, at, at MC or anywhere? Well, I mean, I think anywhere, any college campus, most of them, from what I know, have gone to an online teletherapy um type of, of system so they can meet with a counselor. That's great. I have Zoom counseling sessions every day. Um, we have multiple, you know, people in our office that are doing that. We've been granted permission to do that temporarily. Um, I would say, you know, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling confused and frustrated, 
I guarantee you there's somebody else out there that's feeling that way too. And so I encourage like be vulnerable enough to reach out and say, Hey guys, I'm struggling. Um, you may not get a response immediately, but eventually, you know, getting together, like making a point to say, Hey, every other Monday night, can we all zoom just, just so we can talk through what's going on and I can feel less abnormal. Yeah, that's great. And I've, you know, had a chance to, to kind of connect, um, you know, and I would say, make sure that your forms of connection are in multiple, like multiple ways of, you know, is it, you know, over the phone, on a screen, you know, can you yell over the back fence to your neighbor? Like, you know, whatever it is, yeah, that's um, awesome. making sure you would greet the, the male man at the door kind of thing. Like make sure that you're trying to have human contact where you can, um, even if it's, you know, socially distanced. And, you know, remembering too, that when we're in a home with our family for days on end, um, it's okay to get out and take a walk. Um, you know, all of us need a little more grace right now. And speaking of being at home, um, what are some ways that parents can support their their college students, um, especially when they're not physically with them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say right now the best way to, to kind of support your college student is to, um, you know, remind them that this is tough. None of us really know what's going on. I'm here to support you, um, you know, in allowing them kind of the space to make some of the decisions that they might need to make, um, allowing them the space of, I get it, you're going to be in a bad mood sometimes, I'm going to be in a bad mood, we're going to have grace with each other, um, I'll let you be in one if you'll let me be in one, <laughs> um, but, you know, just kind of realizing that they, you know, may lash out at times and may um, then revert to acting like a six-year-old at times. Um, But they're, you know, trying to navigate through this as best as we are. But, you know, just, I say, just allowing, holding the space for someone and not, not having to rush in and fix it for them. Hmm. That is hard as a parent. Yes, it is. Um, That I see that you're hurting. I can feel that you're hurting and I'm just going to let you hurt. Mm. Um, I've been contemplating that a lot. I've got a, mm-hmm. the, my oldest is 13. Ooh. And so I start, I'm not thinking about now. I'm thinking about us mm-hmm. in the future when he's not there and I can't mm-hmm. physically do anything to help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's more of a phone call, you know, and it's, it's, it's more of a thought exercise of what am I going to do? How am I going to mm-hmm. cope with that? How do my parents cope with that? You know, because I think of times where I struggled and I was in California and, you know, they couldn't do anything no. really. Um, so it's, you know, it's this whole, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all, it's all fun. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, well, not fun. So it's fun and sometimes not fun. Um, <laughs> it's challenging. There we go. I Sometimes I need some words put in my mouth. Um, but Dr. Bryant, thank you so much. Um, I could talk a lot more, uh, but I'm sure that uh, people have things to do. Ooh, I enjoyed this. Well, good. It was your your um, intelligence and your care. And um, MC is very lucky to have you. Thank you. I um, so I, I, you know, I would encourage anyone that's sending their child there to be on the lookout for your department and um, 
because you do have this strong sense of concern and care uh, for the well-being of these kids. So thanks, guys. Thank you, Dr. Bryant. Yes, but I, yeah, I enjoy talking about this. I would love ever if you need to follow up on yeah. any specific mental health topics. We'll hold you to that. Yes. All right. I enjoyed this. Bye. If you have questions about mental health from the COVID-19 pandemic that you'd like our providers to answer in a future episode, please email southoffine at righttrackmedical.com. And if you'd like more information about Right Track Medical Group or the South of Fine podcast, please visit righttrackmedical.com. Thanks to our production team, Kelly Huntsberger, Caitlin Clegg, Carol Ann Hughes, Alica Batista, and Reese Loud. Special thanks to Squadcast for providing superior remote interview services.